Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com. Pregame.com. Broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Vegas, baby. With your host, R.J. Bell. I saw him on ESPN. Can I call Marco Daddy? VR seems wild. Washington versus Nebraska, December 30th. Marco, who do you like and why? Well, I like Washington, and this is a case of pure motivation and revenge. We talk about motivation in bowls. And for Nebraska, if you're the Nebraska Cornhuskers, you're leaving the Big 12. You played the Big 12 championship game. They were a field goal away from winning that game. They blew a 17-0 lead to end up, instead of in a BCS Bowl, to come to the Holiday Bowl against a team you already you know, blew out earlier in the year. I just don't see where Nebraska finds motivation. And as we've talked about in the bowls, motivation is more important than any other college football handicap. Uh, regular season motivation matters, but not near as much because of the disparity in motivation. Some teams are super excited to be there, and usually that's two types of teams. One is they're in a game that's a stretch for them. Like you would expect TCU is going to be excited to be in the Rose Bowl, for example. Anyone in the BCS championship game is going to be excited, for example. Otherwise, you've got up-and-coming programs, programs that are trending upwards that look at the bowl game, no matter which game it is, as a chance to have an extra month of practice, as a chance to establish themselves on the national stage. With Nebraska, you clearly have neither of those. Like you said, this is a game that is a drop-off for them. And additionally, they've been on the national stage. The other thing is you've got, when you look at bowl games, you look at how teams got into the bowls. Washington is a team that had to win their final three games just to become bowl eligible. So they're definitely got motivation. They, you know, they're tested where, you know, they're going in on momentum instead of backing in. So they're trending to new, you know, coach has been there a few years, Mm -hmm. has a vision. This is the culmination of, in a way, this is the first couple years of work. This is the reward of that. And guaranteeing that you're going to be motivated when you're getting to play a team that, you know, took you out behind the woodshed and beat you up on your own field earlier in the year. Okay, so let's talk about the re- – because it's pretty rare in college football to have a second game against the same team. Occasionally you have that in the conference championship okay. games, uh, not often in the bowl games. When you look at the first game between these two, Nebraska won big. What else, as you go inside the box score, what else do you take away? Well, you got to remember that game happened earlier in the season. Nebraska, definitely a physical team, great defense. They were able to manhandle a team, Washington, that I felt, as we talked about, a younger team that was finding their way. As they've progressed through the season, this is not the same Washington team that played them the first time. They're more mature. They're a younger team that grew as the season progressed. Also, Nebraska, you know, got banged up at the end of the season. But, you know, the quarterback Martinez, you know, with the month off, that's definitely going to help him for, you know, that bad ankle that he had at the end of the season. Okay, so one, you think Washington, a youngish team, has improved significantly since the first matchup. Number two, you see the, the significant motivational edge going towards Washington. Now, what you said lastly seems to be pro-Nebraska, which is if you just look at the scores, those last few games of the year, Nebraska had some injury problems at QB specifically, and now uh, 
from your understanding, where's he at? Where's that quarterback at? Uh, he's going to be as close to 100% as he could be with the month off. But, you know, he, got, he played the game. You know, he played the Big 12 championship game, even banged up. So, and they were but, close. And that can be deceiving because, in theory, he was significantly less than 100%. Correct. Now, going back to motivation a little bit, Nebraska is leaving the Big 12. Next, you know, this is it. Next right. year, in the, they're in the Big 10. And, you know, I actually have some friends in the Big 12 on the football side. I don't know all the details. It got a little boring as they kept talking about it. <laughs> but the fact is, Nebraska not only is in a worse bowl game than you would expect for being second, you know, losing the, the uh, Big 12 game, where they have the ability of the bowls to say, well, if you're in what, within one win and within so many places in the BCS, there's all these conditions where it's not just the first team goes here, the second team goes here. This is the fourth or fifth Big 12 bowl, and in theory they should have been the second. So there was a real snub to it, which I think emotionally can't, you know, it could be, well, we're going to go out and kick butt as a big FU, I think, if anything, it's going to be let's wipe our hands of this crap and let's move on. All right, so give us your prediction. Well, I've got the game. i got Nebraska winning the game, but I've got Washington covering. i got it 30-21, Washington covering. The line's at 14 right now, so take the Washington plus the 14. Now, would you write, because of the, uh, the, the first-level handicapper is going to say Nebraska's a bigger name, and they're going to say, wow, Nebraska killed them earlier in the year. That makes me kind of think there might be public action on Nebraska coming up to game time. Would you recommend waiting to check out the, and, and see if you can find the 14 and a half? Uh, definitely, because this thing opened at 13 and went to 14. So the trend is going to go upwards. And one of the things that I will tell you, another reason I do like Washington, the fact that Vegas did bring this out under the two touchdowns. They opened it at 13, and to me, you wouldn't have thought any different of opening this game at 14 the way they thrashed them. So you know how so I like to you're saying they weren't, they weren't afraid of Nebraska money, which means you think they lean towards Washington. Washington. Okay. Um, I would agree 100%. I, I think that you have a much better chance of getting 14 and a half than, than losing the 14 to 13 and a half right. coming up till game time. Now, Vegas actually has Nebraska as one of the more underrated teams. Uh, they have Nebraska ranked as the 12th best team in the country, and the BCS has them as the 18th best team. And that six-spot difference is pretty significant. Also, you can't undercount that Nebraska has won four of five bowl games against the spread, and this is a team that's just used to bowls. And for this Washington team, as much as they might be excited about it, a lot of this operational stuff, a lot of these details are going to be new to them, which I think is a slight negative. It is a slight negative, but... Going back to Nebraska, again, they are a team that's in the bowls all the time, so they are a well-oiled machine. But when you're used to playing at better bowls, it's like uh, yeah, I used an analogy on a podcast they did earlier today. If somebody takes you out to dinner every holiday season and they're taking you to one of the finer restaurants here in Vegas, and then this year they say, come on, RJ, we're going to uh, Fridays instead, you're going to be a little bit disappointed in the meal. And, and I think that's what you're going to have with Nebraska in this bowl game. Well, you actually are going to be disappointed if it's the same meal every year, too, right? So you've got to always improve. Well, definitely. Doesn't or speak, variety. It doesn't know, speak well for marriage. <laughs> Think about he that. He said it. I didn't. Think about that. 
All right, now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comment section with Marco and me. And next up, we're going to be looking at Notre Dame and Miami of Florida. For the best deals from trusted sportsbooks, visit pregameaction.com. Notre Dame versus Miami of Florida. This is a uh, New Year's Eve game. Marco, who do you like and why? Well, I'm going to look at the total in this game. Uh, rather than the side. I like the game to go over. We've got two teams entering this game at 7-5, and five, but they're entering opposite ends of the spectrum. Notre Dame won six of their last eight games. Miami of Florida limped down the stretch, lost a horrible game at the end of the season to South Florida, which probably was the nail in the coffin uh, for the head coach of Miami who got fired. But when you look at Notre Dame, you look at the last three games, and people are going to say, oh, this Notre Dame defense... They've, you know, they're playing awesome, and they might look at this game to be an under. If you look more closely at those final three games, they played Utah, Southern Cal, and Army, and they held all of those. All right, teams. So, first, at first glance, you're thinking Utah was a top, you know, ten team for much of the year, uh, and that USC is a national power. But you're saying that's not how you look at not it. Not how I'm looking at it. They caught Utah the week after Utah had that big game against TCU. Utah come into Notre Dame, they were as flat as a pancake in that game. Then Plus, to some degree, Utah was somewhat exposed. Uh, you know, I really liked them against Boise, but it, it would seem now every tough game they played, they got thrashed. Right. I'm glad you mentioned that, Boise. That's why I couldn't remember when we came on air. We had a bet last week on air. It was the, the Boise-Utah game. <laughs> Must be nice that you make so much money that a $500 bet is something you forget about. You know, you do. It's just, you know, it's the holiday season, you know. No, but I'm not letting you off the hook. <laughs> All right, so back to this. In the Southern Cal game that we talked about when they played, Barkley was hurt in that game, so that hurt the offense for Southern Cal. And then they also played Army in that stretch, which is a team that runs the option, which generally does very well. But Notre Dame faces the option every year because they play Navy every year. So they're one of the better teams to defend it. All right, so this is actually third-level handicapping. First level, you look at scores, you have a general impression of the team. That's what the extreme squares do. Second level is you dig a little deeper, look at the number of turnovers, look at the uh, yardage and say, oh, four turnovers, maybe this was a deceiving score, or maybe there was a certain uh, you know, other situation that's obvious but would affect the score. You're going to the next level and saying, I'm looking at situational schedules where Utah's performance was going to be affected. I'm also looking at injuries, which are, is not readily apparent. Uh, it is at the time, but as the weeks go by, you forget who was playing what game. And you're saying people that glance at this Notre Dame team are going to be overly impressed with them and specifically their defense. Correct. And I'm <clears throat> going to go back to the beginning of the year. Notre Dame defense got torched at the beginning of the season, and they had problems with teams that were athletic and could throw the ball, and that is Miami. Uh, Miami is a, situ- a team that's got team speed. They're going to be able to make some big plays on offense. I see this ending up being a shootout. I like the over. I've got it uh, 57 total points in the game. I got it a three-point game either way, 30-27, Notre Dame with the call. Three-point game either way, what does that mean? This, this is going to be a close game, shootout. It's going to be decided by a field goal late. And, but you have Notre Dame winning. I have Notre Dame winning. And, but they're, laying, and they're getting three, and you have them winning by three. I have them winning by three, but I think there's better value in the total. Okay. Now, 
I really would say that the the two bets I've made the most in the last three or four years have been fading the Cowboys and fading Notre Dame. Uh, I mean, just really, uh, this is, you know, at home especially, Notre Dame's been like 30% ATS over like five years or mm-hmm. plus. I'm not so sure that, and actually you've kind of talked me off it. I was leaning pretty heavily towards Notre Dame because I did look at those last three games when I was handicapping <laughs> this. And I did say, wow, this is a team that seems to be coming on. And it really does fit the model of a trending team with a new coach mm-hmm. that pushing into the bowl and look and being excited about this opportunity. Um, you know, Kelly first year and, you know, I think Notre Dame to some degree, though what you're saying might mitigate this point a little bit, we harped and harped early in the year that programs with a new coach have high expectations. They usually underperform early and they start trending. If it's a good coach, trending upwards in the second half of the season, right when everyone's disappointed with them. I think that you could make that case about Notre Dame, though, again, maybe mitigated by your key point, but that third level look at the schedule. Um, also, just talking about Notre Dame's futility ATS, one of seven in bowls, where it's a more public game, so those marquee teams get even more action. Uh, I think that fading the marquee teams in the bowls is even better, typically, than during the regular season. But there's one thing that, that's causing me, or two things that's causing me pause of like in Miami here, or three things. The uncertainty of the coaching change. It's, it's hard to know exactly how to handicap these things. And I was way off, way off on the Fresno State game early. I uh, was with you. I think we, a lot of people were. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's not a science for sure. I do know that, it, that it's very rare for a coaching change to be a positive. At best, it's a neutral. Most of the time, it's a negative. So if you, let's say you have you know, a negative mark against Miami there. Number two, Notre Dame has covered six of seven as an underdog. I can't remember the last time there was a stat about Notre Dame covering a lot of games. They seem to have some fight in them this year. And lastly, I got, I got a feeling that the Kelly factor is this team's excited right now, especially a, a, a reprise of the Catholics versus convicts, and that's just going to be a general, uh, you know, back from the 80s, that's going to be a general excitement about this game. All that said, that takes me from fading Notre Dame to being probably a pass on the game. Where typically, you know, in a way, and I've been doing this on some of my webcam videos, sometimes you enter a game knowing it's going to be the dog or nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be hard to ever find value on Notre Dame. The question is, is there value on the other side or is it a no value game? So as much as I typically fade Notre Dame, I would probably have the slightest lean to them this year. One point that I will make, one of the stats that jumped out that you said was Notre Dame in the bowls where they were, I think you said, one in seven. One thing to consider is a lot of the years, Notre Dame was in a bowl that they really didn't this deserve. This is ATS. This is ATS. But what I'm saying is, is if they're playing a high state and they should be getting nine points, then it's just like any other game. It is, but I think the situation this year, they're in a bowl that they deserve to be in. A lot of those other years, they got a BCS bowl just because of their name. A, well, yeah, but true, but that caused them to be a significant underdog. And I remember a couple years ago, maybe a little bit more now, against LSU, and they were a huge underdog in that game. So, I mean, Vegas is making it where it's the line, ATS is expectation, and they've underperformed in bowls. 
All right, now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comments section with Marco and me. And next up, we're going to be talking Michigan State versus Alabama on New Year's Day. Michigan State versus Alabama, New Year's Day. Marco, who do you like and why? I've got a weak vote in this game to Alabama, and the only reason it's a weak vote, RJ, is I'm a little bit concerned about the Alabama motivation. Here's a team that played for the national championship last year, was at the end of the year, uh, the day after Thanksgiving, the big game against Auburn where they blew a 21 or 24-point lead and now have to go to a bowl like this. How do they pick themselves back up off the mat? Okay, so Dustin, producer Dustin, be ready for a little head-to-head here because we have a disagreement. I think that you're probably a level too shallow in your analysis here. Kind of like your poker game a little bit. <laughs> I think that the, it's the Marco coin phrase is the dream crusher. Is anytime a team has a dream when it's crushed, the next game and maybe even the next game are problematic motivationally. Well, Alabama's dreams have been crushed for quite a while. And there's Nick Saban. Uh, some people call him Nick Satan. <laughs> a lot of intensity there. And... If you believe that he's going to allow this team, and again, that's always tough because you could have said the same thing about when Utah crushed them in the Sugar Bowl a few years ago. But I think this is a my next level thinking on this game is that Alabama's had their dreams crushed. They also had a chance at redemption against Auburn. And I just don't believe that this team is going to come in. So, I mean, if they literally get beat again, it's going to be a black mark upon the entire program, I feel like. And my gut feeling is you're going to get a high motivation. And let's be honest, this line has got to be shocking to those who don't understand Vegas. If you're a guy that only looks at you know, the ESPN talk and all this stuff, is Michigan State was undefeated for a lot of the season. BCS-wise, they're number nine. And you've got Alabama as a double-digit favorite. I think that Vegas is telling us here, one, is they're not afraid of Michigan State action. This line, you know, I think this line could be seven and a half and probably, you know, get fairly split action, you would think. And it seems to me they're, they're welcome. They, they want Michigan State here. Well, you know all year I've been on the bandwagon saying Michigan State's an overrated team. Or, you know, if you recall, you know, I, whenever they had their first loss, that happened to be my game of the year with Iowa. And I just don't but like this defense. But let's think about that now. Iowa was at home a six-and-a-half-point favorite, mm-hmm. okay? Now, that means that Iowa's three-and-a-half better, better, three points better on a neutral, correct? Correct. Okay, so my question is, now you're 10 on a neutral, so Alabama's seven, then seven points better than Iowa? And if so, it just feels like that this, there's a premium on this game to me. Uh, there is the line, you look at it, the line's high, and it's why I am siding to the Alabama side. But, you know, I just worry. You know, no, no, I thought you were siding to Michigan State. No, no. I, I, I like Alabama here. I have Alabama winning by 12. Okay, so you're si- All right, so, but your whole pitch at the beginning was you, you don't know about Alabama's it's motivation. Why I, I said that it's a weak vote for me because my question mark is fundamentally, I love Alabama. If Alabama would have beat Auburn, this would have been a contender for my game of the year for the Bulls because matchup-wise, Michigan State's going to have some real problems. So you're looking at that Auburn loss as a negative to their motivation. Right. 
I'm looking at it as a positive. And I mean, maybe that, that and, and one of the things I talked about in a recent webcam I did is uh, an overriding handicapping factor. That until you answer that question, and I was actually, I've been kind of cold lately, but I was right about the Giants, you know, not necessarily, you know, the question of their motivation against the Packers last week. But to me, until you answer that question in that Giants game, are they going to play up to potential? The handicapping yards per carry and all that stuff, it doesn't matter. So my question here is, is, is you're right. If Alabama comes in flat, you're getting a ton of value. If Alabama comes in on Michigan State, if Alabama comes in strong, it, it's hard to say that, that Alabama's not going to win this game by double digits. So maybe that's really all the handicappers out there need to figure out. One other factor in the game that we didn't talk about, you know, not that Nick Saban, uh, anybody's going to, you know, be sending him a lot of Christmas cards, but the coach for Michigan State was an assistant under Nick Saban for several years. So there is some familiarity between the two. And how, where do you see that advantage being? Well, if he, you know, does Nick run it up on his former? This is a bowl game and this is 10 points. So, I mean, at what point are you going to, are you going to be up 17 with eight minutes and not be trying? So to me, if the line was 24, if I think running up's an issue at a 10-point line going down, mm-hmm. I don't think it is. But that brings up another good point is the wise guys are betting the dog here, mm-hmm. the non-public team. So it opened 11, moved to 10. So our typical approach is if the wise guys bet with the perceived public side, it could be a true position or it could be trying to get ahead of a bigger move for a buyback later. If they bet on the non-public side, it's a genuine move most of the time. This seems to be a genuine move. I would agree with that, yes. All right. Now, that brings up a point that I brought up in chat in a podcast I did just recently on ESPN with Chad Millman, a friend of pregame. We did a 40 minutes. I thought it was really good stuff. And actually, you can visit pregame.com, and uh, it, there's a link up on top of the page of this pop free podcast. Is we're talking about the concept that if you define a genuine wise guy move early, and then it's against the public. Oftentimes on game day, the public will get that line back to where the wise guys originally really liked it. Mm. So now you can bet the wise guy's side at the same number, which is key. I look at this as a great potential of that. If I had to ask you, do you think this line has a better chance to go into 9.5 on game day or 10.5, what would you say? Because of public perception of teams, I would go 10 and, it would, 10 and a half. Now, though 11 isn't 10 and a half, 11 is not a key number. Right. Is at 10 and a half, you're pretty much betting this game. Not the same, but close. Right. And again, it might get to 11. At 11, you can play Michigan State at the same side the wise guys, at the same number the wise guys did. That doesn't, let me ask you, Michigan State's motivation, because this is a team that if anything, maybe it's not even so much Alabama's going to have a lot of motivation. Maybe it's going to be just average or above average. But isn't Michigan State in a trap here? It's a team that should have made the BCS. Or at least if you would have said entering the year, there's not many times you're going to have three one-loss teams in a major conference like the Big Ten. Is Don't they have to be disappointed? Uh, That's a good point. Um, The other point that that I've read with some of them is that the team wants to, you know, if they win this game, they got a shot of finishing in the top five, you know, which is, you know, a feather in, in their cap because Michigan State's never been, a, you know, a powerhouse. 
that's one of their motivations. But great point about the three teams finishing in a tie, and because of their quirky tiebreakers that they have in the the Big Ten, they you know they're not the team that went you know went with the BCS stuff and that. So good point. I, I mean, I can't disagree with you on on their motivation there. Okay, here's what's a little bit surprising. People tend to think that Michigan State's been a team that maybe beats up on the Little Sisters of the Poor, as uh, Gordon Gee said, the Ohio State president. But really, they're, they're five of six ATS against winning teams. So I just wonder if that physicality gap that you seem to see in your handicap mm-hmm. is, is as true. You know, the Big Ten ended up being a, a, a fairly good conference this year, and this team lost one game in the Big Ten. You know, may, is, it, is it the fact that they've just had a, a number of fluky wins late that maybe skews that number? I think when I looked at Michigan State the way I viewed them this year, it wasn't the physical teams that gave you know, them the games. It was the teams that could throw the ball. And I think Alabama, with McElroy, is going to be able to throw the ball. And once they do... Because Michigan State's going to come in and try to stop the running game first. And I think Saban's going to have some good play-action passes to go for some you know, deep hits early. Once the passing game, they get a couple quick hits, then they're going to go back to that power running game with that one-two punch that Alabama has. I just think the balance that Alabama has, Michigan State's not used to that kind of offense in the Big Ten. Did you give your projection? I did. Alabama 35-23. All right, close the line. Remember, guys, best lesson you can learn from this video, most games the line is pretty close to being right, especially after the wise guys have touched it up. And if you're playing more than 25% of the bowl games, it better be for recreational purposes because there's not value on, you know, I would say at most 25% of the games. And for us to force picks here would be doing you a disservice by us telling you we think the number's about right, that is value. Because remember, a game in which uh, you avoid a loser is worth even more than gaining a winner because with a loser you have to pay the juice. All right, it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comment section with Marco and me. And next up we'll be looking at the Rose Bowl and my best bet of the week, TCU Wisconsin. <laughs> For free real-time odds, lines, and scores, visit pregamelines.com. TCU versus Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl. This is my best bet of the week. Marco, I'm going to tell you what you might have missed in this game. (laughs) Enlighten me, sir. This is a simple handicap, which I like, because if it gets complicated... You are a simple man. (laughs) (laughs) This is a classic situation where it, the line could be different and the lines maker could still get the result that he, would, he wants, which is splitting the action. And the fact that it's not tells me they want action here on Wisconsin. And I'll give you an example. And you talked about it before the show. Right now, about three-quarters of the betting. And though most action does happen on game day with – Bowl games this big, you're going to get a decent amount of early action. Three-quarters of the actions on Wisconsin is when you come out with TCU as the favorite, and this opened up at one and a half, TCU, 
you know most people, that, that, that square crowd is going to say, wait a minute, I get the Big Ten team against the Little Sisters of the Poor, to use that again, and I'm getting points. This game could have opened Pickham or Wisconsin won, and you would have split the action. They knew they were going to be getting disproportionate action, lopsided action, which means they're not afraid of it. And another place where this comes in is oftentimes in college football and college basketball, you have a home team that's unranked against a ranked road team, and the home team is a small favorite, like one and a half. In truth, in that case, a lot of the squares say, I get a ranked team and I'm getting points, and they right. jump at it. So sometimes that line should be maybe four and a half, but they keep it at one and a half because they know, hey, I don't have to. We don't have to give four and a half. We can get the action that we want on this this road team, this road good road team, and still not have to give up as many points, and thus the disproportionate actions got a better than 50% chance of losing. Right here, if they believe that TCU should, let's say, be four and a half, they can still open up like they did at one and still get Wisconsin action, not have to give all those Wisconsin people four. I think this is an exact replica of that, and that makes me love TCU. And the wise guys, though, have also spoken. What You want to talk about that? Right. Well, like you said, with all three-quarters of the action coming in on Wisconsin, the line's not moving down. It's moving up. The game's at three right now, and TCU's getting the sharp money. TCU is a team that, granted, they're undefeated, they're highly ranked, but there's that asterisk next to them because they haven't played in a BCS ball beating another BCS conference team. Till they do that, you're going to have and the their signature. Their signature win against Utah has been kind of counterfeited with Utah's performance since. Right. Uh, the other point that you got with Wisconsin, people that look just at scores, Wisconsin scored 201 points in their last three games. You know, it's impressive. They put up 70, 83. But when you look at it, they played the three worst defenses in the Big Ten right in a row. So it, it makes it look that much, you know, their performance that much better. They're playing one of the best defenses in the country. The other thought is people say that big offensive line of Wisconsin is just going to manhandle the smaller TCU team. This TCU defense is not a power defense. It is a speed-swarming defense. They react to the ball with their team speed. This is going to be something Wisconsin has not faced. I like TCU. I can't disagree with you in this game. It's not often that we, dis that we agree so wholeheartedly, but I do like TCU in this game with you. Well, when we're at the poker room at the Bellagio and I say, hey, what about the buffet? You never say no. <laughs> oh, what a guy. What a guy. All right, let's talk about something that Vegas Runner brought up in a college basketball video in December. What he mentioned was that because the public gets more involved in college basketball, that the lines maker won't move upon sharp action as quickly because they can predict pretty accurately what action is going to come in later. The fact that they're expecting Wisconsin action in this game and they still move to the key number of three means that the move on from the wise guys, the amount of money bet and the quality of those faces 
that the, that are making the bets, and, and that's what the book's called, Book and Faces. The sharpest guys with big money have to be on TCU here because they know they're going to be getting Wisconsin at three, and they don't care because they've gotten so much money on TCU. And to me, that, that's a big move. It's not just a point and a half. It's not just going on the key number of three. It's moving so significantly when you know the public's coming the other way. I agree with you, sir. Okay. I, that said, I'm going to suggest waiting till game day to see if a two and a half flashes. Because to me, three is such a key number. And the question is, what are you going to gain and lose at this point? Is a three and a half a better chance than a two and a half? I can't believe that that is the case. Though there's a chance it's going to go to three and a half. I would say that if it moves, forgetting the time it stays the same at three, which doesn't matter because you can bet three late or early if it doesn't move. I think the odds are at least 75-25 it goes to two and a half rather than going to three and a half, assuming that it does move. So, and at two and a half, I love this game. At three, I like it a lot. All right, so I'm going to project out and make this my best bet, and I've got uh, TCU 31-25. That does speak to, oh, six points in a three-point game. That three points, the difference between six and three, is what all the value is in these games, and we try to give realistic scores here. I think that if this line was six, I would think it's probably a 50-50 result. At three, I think it's 56% or whatever towards TCU. Any closing thoughts, Marco? I think it's going to be an interesting game, and I really would like to see the Cinderella team, you know, put the naysayers to rest and, and beat a BCS team. And last point, you know, TCU, Vegas, in their rankings, consider TCU to be the third best team in the country. And the fact they opened this game up almost a pick was a nod to the fact that Wisconsin was going to get all the money. And again, it makes all the more impressive the fact this thing's been bad up. All right, now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comments section with Marco and me. And next up, we're moving to the NFL Sunday action. And oh, what a doozy, the Rams and the Seahawks. 